Greetings, Minecrafters, and welcome to Season 2. The total episode count now is 51, and today we're going to talk about acceptance is key. And, you know, this sounds so basic, you know, saying acceptance is the key to most problems, but, you know, the thing is, it's, it's true, it's real. And it doesn't mean in a defeated sort of way or an apathetic sort of way, or a throw-in-the-towel sort of way. It means authentic acceptance of, you know, what it is what it is. And basically, it's about taking life in stride, taking, taking life as it comes. And, you know, this also gels beautifully with my favorite definition of stress, which is, you know, that stress is wanting the present moment to be something other than it is. And, you know, lately I've had a, a lot of questions from my students. You know, most of them are first years, though not all. I've, my Minecraft class actually is quite a mix of first years through seniors. And I've just been, you know, they, I've, I'd like to think of a very good relationship with them. We talk a lot. And I've gotten a lot of questions of, you know, hey, professor, what do you think the fall is going to look like? That was particular. I'm thinking of a there are others listening around her, but this was a, a first year young lady, you know, and, and her eyes were big and hopeful. And obviously I don't have any idea. Um, <clears throat> and I really didn't have an idea as far as any facts. I can guess too, like everybody else, but I don't actually have any facts. And, you know, here they were all kind of just the big eyed and waiting for me to respond. And it turned into, you know, quite a delightful conversation about this exact point as hard as it is, is to really let go. I mean, and it, it's not like waving a white surrender flag in a, in a defeated way. It's surrendering in a strong way when we realize we don't have control over any of this. We don't have control over any of this. The only control we have is how we choose to think about it. And as much as, you know, some people are, I'm sure, are very sick of, of hearing that, that is the truth. truth. And that's also how we kind of, you know, take back some of our power and control and our agency. And so, yeah, I've had a lot of questions of, you know, will there be more students in classes? And, you know, are there are classes going to be still virtual? And are more students going to be in the cafeteria? And are we, are we going to be allowed to do this and allowed to do that? And will we ever have parties again? And more than six people, I'm not really sure. I guess you can call anything you want to a party. I, I personally, it sounds like more of a little gathering. Um, we'll be able to have... You know, they're not huge on dances in this generation. I'm thinking of old school, but we'll be able to have these events and, you know, um, all these fun things. And like, and right now they're talking about an actual real orientation, maybe in, in August. You know, I think of back in the day, um, my husband and I met at St. Mike's too. I mean, the old, the old school stuff was great, right? They, you're your first year, your parents drop you off. You're 18 years old. You got the world by the ass. One of the first things they did, we knew the barbecue was coming and they were keeping us busy for about an hour. And they took one sneaker and tied it to some, you know, rando new student sneaker, threw them all in a huge pile. And you had, you had to find your sneaker and then who you were tied to. And from there, I think it went to a three-legged race. And then eventually they fed you a bunch of burgers. And, you know, that's great. That's what they're all, you know, hoping for, you know, something like that. And they don't, but the, and the fact is we don't know. That could work out. We got the Ronavaxes out now, and I'm not going to comment on that because it's been so soon. I don't know that anybody knows, but um, is leaving that totally alone. But we, but it, it's a hopeful, right? It's hopeful that the things. But there's all this guessing and predicting, and 
it's such a gigantic waste of life minutes. It's just such a waste of life minutes because while we're guessing and predicting and trying to trying to make something in the future that we can't, meanwhile, the here and now, the here and now that is so incredibly precious, our valuable life minutes are slipping right through our fingertips, circling the drain and going straight down. And you know what a fan I am of uh, Richard Carlson and his Don't Sweat the Small Stuff books? You know, it's interesting because these books are are quite dated. It's still very true, but it, he wrote them at least a couple decades and more ago, obviously well before the Rona. And in one of his Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, he's got a whole bunch of them. This one is Don't Sweat the Small Stuff with Your Family. I was just kind of just, you know, kind of poking and creating white space, you know, you know, with, with ideas for podcasts. I was just flipping through and it's kind of what I do. And then all of a sudden something just kind of, you know, hits with me like an aha, like a light bulb moment. Right. And here, this is, you know, at least two decades ago, maybe three, I'd have to look, but a long time ago. And he's talking about just taking it as it comes. Right. And we can really, you know, uh, apply this to what many of us are experiencing now. And Richard says, you know, One of the most important lessons I've ever learned is that life is rarely exactly as we would like it to be. Instead, life is exactly as it is. Nothing more and nothing less. And the closer we come to making peace with this fact of life, the happier and less stressed we will become. And it seems that this is kind of an important lesson we just learned we kind of learn over and over. And once we get it, even we kind of almost still need to be reminded of it. And of course, anyone who has had the, the, the has been blessed with children knows that, you know, this is that dice roll every day. You might plan to have, you know, a, a small, you know, dinner party and stage it after the kids are in bed or whatever. And then you got the house all clean. You got the partner helping you clean and, you know, an hour before, half an hour before the guests are about to arrive, arrive, one of the kids lets the golden retriever in from outside after it's been raining for two days and there's mud all over the floor. You just swept and, and mopped and looks like spick and span beautiful. I mean, it is, or, you know, we're about ready to walk out the door and, you know, the phone rings and we're like, oh, we shouldn't answer it, but we see we have to answer it because it's somebody that, you know, something, something that's important. And then, we can get completely derailed for another hour and a half. It's constant. It's constant. And the thing is, when we're sort of open to, you know, this acceptance, I'm not saying it's easy. It's absolutely not easy, especially if you got some nice party planned, you got something planned, and then something, you know, throws this last minute wrench in it. Although, you know, tried and true, just like I use my example of uh, with my very dear friend, Oprah, that I mentioned in a different episode, when she was supposed to go to that big fundraising thing, it was so important to her. It was, I, it was for that. I think the little girls in South Africa with their school and she flat on her back with the flu, flat on her back with the flu. She was not, it's, there was no way she was getting there in New Orleans or wherever it was. And so we have these things happen on a day, not daily. But we have these things happen frequently. Right. And we'll wrestle with it and dig in with all of with our, just, just dig in with everything we have and it's not changing anything, right? It, it, in fact, it does the reverse. It pushes that heavy snowball at a faster pace down a steeper hill, right? It's just how it works. 
And I also think what many of us are aware of, we just may not be cognizant of it entirely when it's happening. You know, Carl Jung said that which we resist will persist. I think we know that on so many levels, especially when you've reached a fabulous 56, fabulous 56, such as myself, um, you just know. And, and sometimes you maybe it's easier when you watch a friend. I mean, easier. We don't certainly don't want to see a friend in pain. That's not what I meant. It's just that we don't always see it as much when it's us, when we might see, um, you know, a dear friend or, you know, sister, brother, something going through a, a horrible breakup when we know that relationship from the outside looking in is just not healthy for the one we care about, right? When you're in it, of course, it's so difficult, so difficult to to see that. And we can watch um, our loved one just wrestling with it. They're not ready. Don't want to let go. They're hanging on. They're digging in with everything they got, and and it's and it's that resistance of that that resistance of the end of that relationship. It just makes you know, the whole thing worse. And again, I'm always saying somebody else besides us because it's even, it's just so much, it's so much tougher to see even when we have our loved ones telling us, right? It's so much tougher to see that. And that resistance thing just makes, just blows it up, you know, just makes it so much worse. Same thing with maybe um, transitioning out of a, out of a job that's no longer good for us. It doesn't mean it has to be toxic and terrible. It can be. It might just though be, a situation that there's just no more growth. You know, it's not lighting our fire anymore. It's not making our hearts sing. And it's maybe it's gotten too comfortable. Well, we're not excited to go. We might even be dreading it. And then, but the whole idea of risking trying something new and exciting is as us, you know, an inch from a panic attack, right? So, so we dig in and dig in and resist that change, resist that internal conversation that there's something better you know, along the, you know, waiting for us on the horizon, something is so much better waiting for us, but we'll resist it. And we just don't want to accept that this job has gotten too comfortable and that we're not growing. And that's a real conversation to have with ourselves because do you want to stay in this stagnant place for the next, next five, 10, 20 years? No, absolutely not. The answer is no. Life is too valuable. And so Richard goes on to say about this take-it-as-it-comes discussion we're having. He says, one of the many ways to define unhappiness is the degree of difference between where you are and where you want to be. Wow, that was deep. Or the difference between what is and what you expect or demand. I can't say enough about that. Maybe that's one of the few advantages of being raised by uh, two alcoholic parents is expectations are just not good. You know, they really, we shouldn't, having expectations is just not a good idea in general because most often, not always, always members polarize where I don't do those, try not to do those. Um, well, expectations often lead to disappointment and or frustration or the reverse, whatever. And that is seriously, I'm not even making light of it. That is something I learned from the you know beginning of my life was just not, not to have expectations. And you know what? The world is immediately half full. Really. I'm, I'm being very genuine and sincere about that. It's actually all I know how to do is be genuine and sincere. Expectations are not good. I mean, just say no to expectations really in general. And then he says, um, in other words, whenever something is happening, be it a fight between siblings 
a broken television set, an embarrassing moment, or a leaky roof, you are faced with an important decision. Are you going to struggle and fight with what is actually occurring, or are you going to accept it and deal with it? This is so great. I mean, it gels with what we're saying. Just say no to expectations for the most part. There are obviously exceptions. Just say no to, to expectations usually. And and remember that that which we resist will persist. We said that. This is John with everything we're saying right here. And the very essence of stress comes from the source of wanting the present moment to be something other than it is. And here's the thing. We don't have control over what the present moment is. We just don't. It is what it is, and it's good to ride the wave, right? Ride the wave. Acceptance is the key. And, you know, and then this is amazing because I was literally only flipping through this. This is just what I always, this is what I already believe in my hard drive, you know, like my everyday. So I think that's why it's coming out so easily, like water here. So Richard then goes on to say, Acceptance has absolutely nothing to do with apathy or not caring. He says, when, uh, when you accept what is, it doesn't mean you say, oh, well, I don't care. I'm not going to do anything about it. It only suggests that although you would prefer that things be different and you don't deny that you have a preference, you nonetheless recognize the futility of struggle. That was so well articulated. In a way, This form of acceptance of what is actually occurring in the moment is one of the ultimate forms of wisdom. I love that. This form of acceptance is one of the ultimate forms of wisdom. It is one of the greatest stress relievers. See, there it is again. It is one of the greatest stress relievers available to the human race. Yeah, take that right to the bank. And, you know, I just want to reiterate about this, that this is not complacency. It's the opposite of that. It's not just, you know, kind of acknowledging this powerless thing. It's, it's, it's the opposite of that. And then Richard said, Richard says that he would like to reiterate that this peaceful acceptance is not about giving up or failing to make necessary changes. He says life is full of adjustments and all of us need to take action to improve our lives and strive toward our goals. If there's something happening you don't like and you can do something about it, great. We're not, it's Richard and I are not saying that. He says, but taking appropriate, heartfelt, and constructive action is an entirely different issue than becoming immobilized by the simple fact that life isn't accommodating us exactly the way we would like. Well said, Richard Carlson. You know, it, it's also. You know, interesting when, when again, I think I do think a lot of this comes with, uh, you know, being around the block a few times, right? As a fabulous 56. Once you've, you've kind of been on this path of enlightenment, and I'm, I'm not trying to sound like Buddha's mini me by any means, um, with the wisdom of, of maybe it's midlife and also, you know, opening the door for inspiration from all places, right? Just opening the door to, you know, becoming, you know, spiritually advanced and happier and, you know, opening the door for optimal, you know, human functioning and life satisfaction just on this track to this, you know, better, more healthy place of enhanced well-being. It's just, it's amazing how you just like the, the switch is turned on as far as observation. And please hear me. 
amazing Minecrafters out there. It's not about coming from a higher place. I don't even do that. It's just coming from, or judgment. I don't do that either. I try, we're all human. I try work really hard at not doing that. Simply is a, at a, uh, in a, or coming from a place of observation because once, once one is kind of aware of some of these strategies we've been talking about and now acceptance is the key, you know, I can find myself, I'm in a grocery store. I don't even know the person. I'm not judging anybody. I'm just hearing this conversation and listening to themselves make themselves completely miserable over, you know, this exact thing, you know, trying to force things to happen and resisting things and things you have absolutely no control over. And, and um, it's just an observation. And, I think we come, become a little bit more sensitive and aware of that. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to say that. And again, not with judgment, but with, not a judgment, with with compassion and empathy. And with the compassion of empathy, you know, listen to whoever's behind us getting, you know, at the gas station, wherever. With compassion and empathy, sometimes I say a little prayer, actually. And this also strengthens our own awareness, Um of, of, you know, being, I guess it sounds a little cheesy and cliche, I guess, but, you know, being a grain of sand on the beach, because really, um, how much control do we really have over all this? You know, and there are, of course, you know, lots of people have been saying this, you know, around the country and world for, you know, ever, just like many of the spiritual, you know, topics we talk about, the different strategies we we talk about, and of course, the twelve-step programs, which are worldwide. Um, they've they've just got some amazing wisdom, and um, I love some of the one-liners that they have, you know, going on. They're just every one of them I've ever heard has been good for me. You know, one day at a time is a good one. Um, I remember I'm going back also from my memory when I was hanging around AA with one of my parents who was in recovery. And they say, let go and let God. And they're big about, you know, admitting I'm powerless and it's not giving a pass. It's not saying, oh, nothing I can do. Right. It's just kind of admitting that there's, you know, that I've got, you know, that I've got this sickness or whatever it is. And we've all got something. Right. So really that can be transferable to anyone, whether you struggle with addiction or you don't, because we all are working at something. Right. So the let go and let God, the idea of surrendering, though still accountable, they talk about taking inventory too, and and um, also uh, uh, you know, kind of reconciling where possible. It's all about accountability. But I love the part of about let go and let God, and this surrender, and admitting I was powerless, powerless over whatever, whatever, whatever. And it's amazing how when we do stop wrestling, and we're not talking about defeat, we're not talking about complacency, we're talking about genuine, authentic. This is my this is my moment. This is my present moment. I just got thrown a huge curveball. I'm not going to make it to that award thing. I'm not going to make it to my kids, whatever, because my my tire just blew on the highway. And my cell phone's dead, or whatever it is. When we really come to terms, or that relationship is over, we were digging our claws in for the longest time because we can't fathom being without this person, or maybe being alone at all. Because that's all another issue. Um, but whatever it is that we're just digging in with when we actually come to a place of all this resistance isn't getting me anywhere, it's actually making it worse. And when we choose to accept it, it's like this, just this wonderful, peaceful wave just rolls over. And I'm not saying it's easy, of course. 
And I can tell you that it's such a, it, it's, well, there's peace and there's serenity. You know, there's just, when serenity rolls over, it just feels so good. And in fact, the 12-step programs use the serenity prayer, which I think is St. Richard, but don't quote me on that because I don't really know. And of course, they're, they're not any particular denomination. Anybody, last I knew, could could join with, it doesn't matter what your religion are or if you're atheist, doesn't, none of that matters. Uh, but I'd like how, well, pre-roll and everybody would hold hands and, and they would say, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Man, I love that. And, you know, with my Minecraft students, you know, we talk about this in a, in a different way. In Minecraft, we, we talk about the ideas of intrinsic versus extrinsic control, right? And we talk about, you know, we, of separating, you know, instead of having this Mount Everest of things in my life that feels so overwhelming, I'd rather go sit down and lean against it rather than climb it. I think probably most of us have had that experience. And we talk about um, actually, you know, maybe getting a piece of scrap paper, paper and making two or maybe three columns, if you're not ready to break some of it down, but having the cannot control column, like it's not happening, kind of like it, there's supposed to be a thunderstorm and I'm getting married tomorrow. Well, let that go, okay? Because you've been planning your wedding for two years or a year and you've got the entire venue and people have plane tickets. Forget about the Rona for a second. In a you know regular scenario, they've got their plane tickets. Everybody's gotten you presents. They all have their hotel reservations. You know, you've got who's ever, you got the whole venue planned out and it, it might have a thunderstorm. Okay, well, then I guess your pictures will be inside and bring an umbrella, you know, kind of thing. And cannot control that. Then we have like the Ken controllable. So again, we can, you know, uh, set up a really nice photo area in the back of the church or the mountaintop, not a mountaintop. It's a, it's a thunderstorm. Never mind. Wherever the venue is set up, set up a nice flower arrangement, wherever the pictures are, or, you know, but it's so important to separate that because then all of a sudden the list is shorter and Mount Everest has been reduced to a foothill rather than, you know, this gigantic mountain that you need an oxygen mask to climb, right? It's better. You know, I just thought of another one. I'm actually kind of happy with my 56-year-old memory because the last time I was at an AA meeting, I think I was about 14. At, I used to love to go to those anniversaries. Wow, I just mm, think I've mentioned this in other episodes. Just the stories were amazing. And I don't want to sound like that was my only motivator because I, I was shallow how like most 14-year-olds with the cake. They had one of those huge store-bought cakes and I never had store-bought anything. And oh, it, was, it was like high test sugar with radioactive frosting. It was just so good. And my sister and I used to argue over those big roses, those big flowers, just pure sucrose. Oh, those were the days. So anyway, another one I was just thinking of in this minute was, um, you know, getting sick and tired of being sick and tired. I remember some of the the members of AA saying that. So basically when I get sick of listening to myself or I get sick of, you know, the complaining, I, I get sick of wrestling with this relationship that's going nowhere, or I get so sick of trying to look busy at a job that doesn't have enough for me to do. And some of my friends have left and there's no growth whatsoever. I'm not miserable, but I'm not growing and I'm not looking forward to it. And meanwhile, one day is rolling into another, is rolling into another. And maybe, maybe the fear is starting to build what if I look back at 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 and like I could have changed all that and started a business or followed my passion of, 
you know, quilting and starting a quilt shop or selling everything I own and traveling the world. I don't know. Post Rona, obviously. Um, yeah. I mean, the whole thing is, is, is that place of, you know, getting sick and tired of being sick and tired. So eventually when we don't accept things, right, we just basically get exhausted, right? And then that might force us into this place of acceptance. Hopefully not, but if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. Because once we get there, wow, it's like the clouds open up, the heavens part, and it's like, wow, it's such a peaceful inner, just an inner peace. Such a serene wave just rolls over because it feels like, I don't know, it's going to sound kind of cheesy again, but like we're at one with the universe. I mean, that's really true. That's how I have felt anyway. Acceptance is the key to most problems. You know, I just thought of another one. I'm actually kind of happy with my 56-year-old memory because the last time I was at an AA meeting, I think I was about 14. At, I used to love to go to those anniversaries. Wow, I just hmm, I think I've mentioned this in other episodes. Just the stories were amazing. And I don't want to sound like that was my only motivator because I, I was shallow how like most 14-year-olds with the cake. They had one of those huge store-bought cakes and I never had store-bought anything. And, oh, it, was, it was like high-test sugar with radioactive frosting. It was just so good. And my sister and I used to argue over those big roses, those big flowers, just pure sucrose. Oh, those were the days. So anyway, another one I was just thinking of in this minute was, um, you know, getting sick and tired of being sick and tired. I remember some of the the members of AA saying that. So basically when I get sick of listening to myself or I get sick of, you know, the complaining, I, I get sick of wrestling with this relationship that's going nowhere, or I get so sick of trying to look busy at a job that doesn't have enough for me to do. And some of my friends have left and there's no growth whatsoever. I'm not miserable, but I'm not growing and I'm not looking forward to it. Meanwhile, one day is rolling into another, is rolling into another, and maybe maybe a fear is starting to build. What if I look back at 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 and like I could have changed all that and started a business or followed my passion of you know quilting and starting a quilt shop or selling everything I own and traveling the world? I don't know. Post Rona, obviously. Um, yeah, I mean the whole thing is 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 that place of, you know, getting sick and tired of being sick and tired. So eventually when we don't accept things, right, we just basically get exhausted, right? And then that might force us into this place of acceptance. Hopefully not, but if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. Because once we get there, wow, it's like the clouds open up, the heavens part, and it's like, wow, it's such a peaceful inner, just an inner peace. Such a serene wave just rolls over because it feels... Like, I don't know, it's going to sound kind of cheesy again, but like we're at one with the universe. I mean, that's really true. That's how I have felt anyway. Acceptance is the key to most problems. And on that note, I'd like to thank all my Minecrafters across the United States and world for listening to this podcast today. And on that note, this is Kimberly Quinn signing off from Northern Vermont. Have a mindful day. Mm-hmm.